Welcome to Between the Lines, uh, a series of conversations devoted to the pleasures and anxieties of translation, and uh, organized by myself, uh, Timothy Matthews. And I'm very pleased today to have with me Margaret Jewel Costa, uh, who's translated a tremendous amount of, of works uh, from the Spanish and from the Portuguese. Um, I could mention Valle Inclán, uh, Achaga, Javier Marias, who's also a translator, José Saramago, and also a range of contemporary young Brazilian novelists. And Margaret, it's delightful to have you here today, mm -hmm. I must say. Nice to be here. Uh, I just wanted to kick off uh, by asking you uh, how you got the translation bug in the first place. Well, um, when I did, I wasn't very good at school. <laughs> so I, le well, I left, I did A-level, uh -huh. but I wasn't particularly good at languages or anything. And then um, I got, I had a friend, my best friend, worked in Spain on a campsite. And so my brother and I drove out to see her. That was the first time I'd ever been abroad. Mm -hmm. And the first time I'd been in Spain, obviously. And so I just, I mean, when I was, what, 18, 19? And it was just seemed so exciting. Mm -hmm. you know, and so I just fell in love with the language. I learned the language. Uh -huh. When I came back, I studied on my own. Uh -huh. And uh, eventually, um, I did A-level Spanish. I, w I worked as a secretary in London and did A-level Spanish. And that was the first time I, d I translated mm -hmm. for A-level, in the mm -hmm. days when we did that kind of thing. Yes, <laughs> yes. Because you translated into English and into Spanish as well. Mm. And I remember just translating into English, I found so exciting. It was, it was, I th it was just thinking, this is something I can do, and this is something I want to do. Mm -hmm. And then I did go to university, I went to Bristol, and my tutor there was Philip Polak, who was himself a very fine translator. And he encouraged me enormously. I think I was, it wasn't, most people found the translation quite dull. It was mm -hmm. something you had to do, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think, um, it wasn't taught that way, but I think it can be taught as if you, you as long as you understand the words. Mm. Was for me, I mean, I wanted to transform that into English, into an English, an equivalent English, and Philip really encouraged mm. me to do that. Mm. So I was very fortunate. Yes, because yeah. I think not so long ago, translation, as you say, was uh, thought of as, as a purely pedagogical mm. uh, implement yeah. and, and a pedagogical tool, ensuring that people would understand the original rather than yeah. rather than rather than speaking the original in mm. their own language. Yes, I think so. But that, you know, that had never, it had never crossed my mind. Because when I was, when I was much younger and I was allowed into the adult library, um, I read, you know, the, all the Russians. I didn't even notice they were translated, mm. <laughs> which is shameful now. Mm. But a lot of people still feel the same. You know, a lot of people say to me, well, what do you do when you translate? Mm -hmm. You know, there's this complete ignorance about what the translator does. Mm. And so for me, it was, it was just, it was finding my vocation, really, if that's not too grand a word. I, I don't think so at all, yeah. <laughs> uh, and how did you uh, start to home in on particular writers? Um, it was luck, uh -huh. really, because I, um, I applied for a job with Granta magazine when it was still based in Cambridge, and Bill Buford was the editor. Yes. And he, um, I didn't get the job, but he asked me if I'd translate... Um, a short story by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, uh -huh. and and I did, and I translated something else as well for him, a torture scene actually, which, <laughs> which was horrible. Um, mm. But then he gave me the addresses of lots of publishers and mm. the names of lots of publishers mm. to write to, mm -hmm. and I did, and 
out of that I got a commission for my first novel mm. um, by Alvaro Pombo and then I, I, I've just been extraordinarily lucky I think you mm. know because I got Alvaro Pombo who's a wonderful writer and not not enough translated I don't think and then I was invited to translate um, a book by Achaga or Baba Korak mm-hmm. and then um, the f- one of the first novels by Javier Marias his first novel in English mm-hmm. And I just, and then Pessoa. I mean, you know, how lucky are you going to get, really? Absolutely. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you a little bit uh, about uh, Achaga as well as Pessoa. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Achaga is, is, is a Basque writer mm. um, who tr- self translates into Spanish, doesn't yeah. he? And you've been translating that Spanish version yeah. into English. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So, how, how, how does that work? How does that work for you, you know, to be uh, well, I don't working speak across Basque. a number of languages in this way? Yes, well, mm. I mean, I, always, I do feel embarrassed about it, not translating from the Basque, but Bernardo says it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm sure it doesn't, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I think it does in a way. Mm. Well, I think if it wasn't his translation, it would worry me more, but yes. I know that there's still his, these are still his words. Yes. They're not, trans, you know, not coming through someone else. Yes. And I also know that he changes things when he translates. So it's probably not quite the same mm-hmm. book as Basque. I mean, he says to go from Basque to English is too big a leap. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, because I don't know Basque. Well, it's mm-hmm. very interesting in any case, isn't it, that the whole, uh, so to speak, the whole, the whole situation of, of, of Basque mm. culture and the Basque mm. language seems to be very sort of integrally involved with, it, with the notion of translation. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, he, yes, because he's, um, Bernardo himself says that he's, He's a bilingual author. Mm. He's a bilingual person. You know, he's he's always lived in two languages. So for him, he doesn't feel it's a problem. And he says mm. that, you know, when people say to him, why do you write in Basque, you know, when there's only, what, 750,000 mm. speakers? Mm. And he says, because there's translation. You know, what's mm. the problem? Mm. <laughs> as long as there are translators, you know, we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> And as you say, he's 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 writing both of his languages anyway, Basque yeah. and Spanish. Yes, I mean he he largely writes in Basque. Yeah. But um, I'm, I mean I'm very glad that I do that I can translate his work because yeah. I love his books. Yeah. You know. And do you talk to him about about uh, how you're making it into English? No, not really. He says, mm. you know, he trusts me, and he says mm. it's my it's, he says it's my book mm-hmm. in English, mm. which is very nice of him. <laughs> So you think, uh, so getting get on to a very big question I was going to come to anyway, do you think so the, the translator's voice is, is important, isn't it? Almost as, what would you say, as, is it a combined effort with the... Well, it has to the, be combined. Yeah. Mm. Um, my friend Barbara Wright always to say, used to say, no author, no translator. You know, so mm-hmm. I mean, evidently the author is primary. Mm. Um, but there is something, and I don't, I can't tell whose voice that is, mm. because I don't write the same as Javier Marias or Saramago, you know. Mm. So I, I can only equate it to being an actor or a musician. You know, we mm. don't know, with the act, when an actor plays King Lear, we don't know how mm. Shakespeare intended mm. that to be acted. Mm. And, and the, but the, you know, I think the translator has to have a voice, mm. but it's got to be a voice that changes mm. with each book. Mm. My, my only fear is that all my books sound like me. Mm. All my translations are like me, but well, I don't, I don't think they do. I, oh, I, I must say, <laughs> I think your your versions of Saramago create a completely different voice uh, for, from, for, let's say, the ones of Achaga. Um, 
Um, yeah, I think when the author has a very strong voice of his own, like Saramago or Javi Mari, so, you know, that's much easier because the, the author knows exactly how that's got to sound. And so you can trust the, the author completely. It's when an author is writing in a kind of neutral Spanish or Portuguese, that's much harder because there are so many ways you could say those different things, you know, and there's, but there's no, with Saramago there's no doubt, you know, what he sounds like to me, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That's his translator. <laughs> I've only read him in English, uh, oh, right. in, in your translations, and uh, um, I, I don't, uh, there's no doubt either. Uh, mm. Very, very clear, and they're very different in each novel as well. His voice mm. is different in each novel, I think. Um, mm. But, but uh, I don't know. Very, I can't tell. Uh, sometimes uh, I feel he's he's he's, he's a lot more uh, interested in pulling things apart, pulling, you know. Oh pulling, yes. Very, well, very particular situations yes. into their different elements. Yeah. And other times he's more interested in, in, in the larger sweep of, of what he's Well, I, I mean, I think there is a divide mm. in his work. I think with I started translating um, all the names because Giovanni Pontiero translated him before um, and died, alas. Um, so I started with all the names, and which for me is my favourite, Saramago, mm. actually, because it's full of rich descriptions. Mm and wonderful use of language. And it, it seems to me that after that, he, his language becomes much sparer, mm. and, and he becomes more polemical. Mm -hmm. He becomes more of a polemicist, I think. He's still a wonderful writer of stories. Mm. But there is a difference. I mean, I noticed it lingu on a linguistic level. There's a, a real shift mm. you know, to a much um, plainer language, really. Mm. Mm. When you say he's polemical... Um, I, I agree. He, mm. he he does seem to be really very very concerned with mm. indeed with uh, with contemporary life oh, yeah. and, and contemporary uh, economic pressures and uh, mm. uh, the ideologies that are on which mm. which arise from economic pressures. He's very yeah. very very oh, yeah. concerned with that, isn't mm. he? Um, while at the same time remaining a novelist as opposed to a, a politicist. Yes. Yeah. yes, because I think if you if you just read about Saramago, mm. you know you know he was a well, I don't know if he was a communist, really, but I mean, an anarcho-communist, I suppose, mm. and an atheist, and, and the titles of his books sound very dull. Um, <laughs> but they're not. The, the minute you're, you step into them, you just oh, it's mm. wonderful. He's such a brilliant storyteller, mm. and yet he's also got an agenda, mm. you know, a political or social agenda. Mm. Mm. And that's a wonderful combination. Yes. I've been reading uh, uh, The Cave, uh, mm. uh, which is... I think it must have translated about ten years ago now. Um, I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's it's a very very powerful uh, and, um, evocation of of, of of economic pressures, even in the modern, mm. even in, in now, yeah. ten years yeah. later. I yeah. think. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and it concerns uh, uh, a potter whose whose traditional methods are being put out of business uh, by by more by more I don't know by more modern ones, more mm. technologically mass, advanced mass ones, mass production yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, and there's also something called the center in it. Mm. Uh, uh, very, I suppose people have said, and that's reminiscent of, of George Orwell. In, in some well, yes. Way. I mean, I'm sitting here watching, yeah. facing Brave, Brave New World. It's <laughs> <laughs> Brave New World Orwell. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. But I mean, I think it's it's very true. Mm. You know, there's such a sort of homogenization of mm. life mm -hmm. going on, and the dreaded shopping mall, mm. which I avoid like the plague, mm. where everything and all town centers becoming the same and people being encouraged to be the same, I think, and mm. that's what preoccupies him. He's very concerned with the individual and mm. with people maintaining their individuality and their dignity. Yeah. 
I mean, it just occurred to me that translation was, was once again key to his enterprise in, in the sense mm. that uh, um, we, we would we'd be mistaken, wouldn't we, if, if, trans, if we thought of translation as an exercise in making everything the same. Mm. Uh, whereas uh, if, if, if you read Saramago through the, eye, through the, eye, the eyes of translation itself, mm. you get the idea of, of, of how different voices combine or could be made yes. to combine or could be made to heard through each yes. other, to be heard through each other. Yeah. Well, and I think he's, he's very much a universal writer, and I think, mm. well, he won the Nobel Prize for Literature, but it isn't mm. always, you know, an accolade. Mm. Uh, it doesn't always go to the right person, rather. But I think in his case it did, because I think he does speak to everyone. Mm. You know, his concerns are all our concerns, because he's a, you know, he's a very humane writer. Mm. And the, the cave, the, the title of the cave, uh, the title of this mm. novel, um, very s slowly but sort of inexorably d uh, takes us to Plato's cave, mm. doesn't it? Yes, uh, till, not till the very end. Not till the, not, not till, <laughs> no, that's right, not, not, not till the very end. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the, the last, uh, um, I mean, the cave is rediscovered, at, uh, and then the last words of, of the... Uh, of the novel are, are kind of advertising slogan, mm. aren't they? For yes. come and visit the yes. cave, yes. Uh, which is qu qu quite a sharp statement on on the way uh, the mm. history of ideas is 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 communicated yeah. in, in our yeah. times. I think, mm. um, uh, and it also relates to the to the cave where the, where the potter is burying his 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 useless pots. He's mm. you know, told to take them away and put them in. He sticks them in a cave and, yes. and imagines uh, archaeologists coming to find them later. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the cave has like a very strong archaeological and philosophical sense, which is then, in, in a negative way, I suppose, translated into advertising. Uh, in the it is, but I think there's also the cave as home, mm. you know, and, and so um, Cipriano, the potter, and mm. his daughter and his son-in-law and the dog, mm -hmm. um, and eventually Isara, they do form the family unit, and it's, I mean, he comes back again yes. all the time to that, the family unit, and... I think, mm -hmm. think there's also a cosiness about the mm -hmm. cave. There's Plato's cave, mm -hmm. which is just shadows on the wall, and there's yes. the there's the cave which is home. I mean, in the end, they should they tell that they they mm. set off <laughs> together. Yeah. Who knows where? Yeah, they leave the home. They, they leave, leave the cave altogether, yes, don't they? Yes. Um, because it's um, under threat. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you'd perhaps like to read a, a, a paragraph or two, uh, or one, or well, a, few, <laughs> a few lines, shall we say, <laughs> from yes, the, the paragraph cave. is rather long. I won't read all it, because that paragraph is... He does write, and should we say, he does write in very, very long paragraphs, doesn't he? Does, he does, yes. Um, and I, I mean, people always point that out, and the same with Javier Marias, hmm. you know, as if it was something really strange. I can't understand what's so strange about not having paragraphs. Actually, that's only a, that's only two and a half pages that long. That paragraph. There are very many writers who would, who would use long paragraphs. No, there aren't. I mean, there no, are. I was going to say there are quite a lot. There are. I, mean, I suppose there are. Yes. Henry James, Proust. Proust, Henry mm. James, mm. Beckett. Beckett, yes. Uh, Virginia Woolf. Yes, um, I love it, and I think because the, you really get the idea of someone having a thought and following mm. that thought all the way through. Yes. I find that very satisfying, and I think it. People often say, well, you know, English is made for short sentences. I don't agree at all. Yeah. At all. I mean, it's, I don't, I mean, it is difficult translating Saramago in a way, but there's tremendous pleasure in getting all those clauses and phrases yes. getting, working together as one flow. Because it's digressive as, as, yeah. as, as well as, uh, yeah. 
as well as being driven by something, mm. by, by an idea or something. Yeah, so, so yeah. If, you, if you have a long paragraph, the author can go off on digressions, yeah. you know, and complete tangents That's and come right. back, and the, and the paragraph's still there. Right. <laughs> <So> <laughs> anyway, please, it's, just read yeah, it's the beginning of a chapter, isn't it? It's just the beginning of a chapter, yeah. I just happened upon it yesterday when I was thinking, because you said perhaps mm. we could read a bit, mm. and I just opened it at this page, and I just thought, what a lovely beginning. Okay. Um, authoritarian, paralyzing, circular, occasionally elliptical, stock phrases, also jocularly referred to as nuggets of wisdom, are a malignant plague, one of the very worst ever to ravage the earth. We say to the confused, know thyself, as if knowing yourself was not the fifth and most difficult of human arithmetical operations. We say to the apathetic, where there's a will, there's a way, as if the brute realities of the world did not amuse themselves each day by turning that phrase on its head. We say to the indecisive, begin at the beginning, as if that beginning were the clearly visible point of a loosely wound thread, and that all we had to do was to keep pulling until we reached the other end, and as if, between the former and the latter, we had held in our hands a smooth, continuous thread with no knots to untie, no snarls to untangle, a complete impossibility in the life of a skein, or indeed, if we may, we may be permitted one more stock phrase, in the skein of life. Marta said to her father, let's begin at the beginning. And it was as if all they needed to do was to sit down at the table and start making dolls, with fingers grown suddenly agile and exact, having regained their former skill after a long period of inactivity. These are the delusions of the pure and the unprepared. The beginning is never the clear, precise end of a thread. The beginning is a long, painfully slow process that requires time and patience in order to find out in which direction it is heading, a process that feels its way along the path ahead like a blind man. The beginning is just the beginning. What came before is nigh on worthless. Thank you very much. This is... <laughs> I don't know, I just thought, that's so wonderful. I love the voice. Yes. You know, and, uh, and the way, uh, you know, quite a large idea about the, the nature of language mm. and the phrases we use mm. is very much integrated yeah. in, in the particular relationship between father and daughter that he's concerned yes. with in this book. Yes. Um, and the idea that the beginning is just the beginning. You know, we always think, oh, uh, we'll begin. Yeah. But there's, yeah. it's very difficult to begin. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And in this chapter, it it, uh, um, it, 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 it begins to in, evolve, or begins to involve, uh, um, you know, the, the, they pick up an encyclopedia, don't mm. they? Because they're looking for for, for models for, the, yeah. for their new range of dolls, mm. and so they look mm. in, in the encyclopedia for them. Mm. Um, you know, for a, a clown and uh, an Assyrian and a nurse <laughs> and a Mandarin. A very strange they, 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 Exactly, uh, which is kind of. Um, and they all seem to sort of have a, a, some sort of symbolic quality, which would, yeah. which would, I or suppose, not. or not. That's right. <laughs> yes, and so you don't know whether they have a no. beginning or an end. No. And, uh, and he says something about encyclopedias in that regard that they're kind of frozen. In, the, mm. the items in them are kind of frozen yeah. in time, aren't yeah. they? You know, you don't know where, where to place them, no. where to begin. And they're with all given them. equal importance. Yes. Mm. Yes. So. He's very interested in in the. In the physical side of things, at the same time, mm. isn't he? I think what's so fascinating about the potters is that they they have learnt and relearn how to make different things yes. with, with with their hands. Yes. You know, and, uh, yes. He lo uh, I think he loves 
Well, he loves lists, but he also mm. loves <laughs> the language of an actual technique like pottery. Mm. I, fortunately, I have a potter friend, so I could ask her mm. to help me through that. <laughs> because it's a very different vocabulary. Yes. You know, so. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk, it reminds me of something else I had in mind, if you, you could perhaps go, go back to a, a chaga, but, uh, about um, what, what, what to leave in the original and, and what to translate. Because uh, in, in the, one of the novels about a chaga that I've read that you've translated is, uh, is The Lone Woman, mm. uh, which is, a, a, I think, the stock phrase to, to say that, is, is, is that um, it's about a reformed terrorist, isn't it? Mm. Um, to, to use that phrase then. Um, but a number of things in 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 the book. I mean, a number of occasions in the book, there are other poems referred to, aren't there? Yes. Um, which in the in you know, Chagas book, I, I don't know if they what they appear in. Do they appear in Spanish? In Spanish. They, in, in, the, in his Spanish translation, uh, yes. So he's translated them into Spanish, although some of them are English, some of them are French, think, some of them are usually, Basque. I think I can't uh, honestly remember. <laughs> some time ago, I think I think he translated them into Spanish. Yeah. Because I know there's an Emily Dickinson, and I think that was in yeah. in Spanish. Yeah. yeah, there's an Emily Dickinson, and there's a, a, a American poet Sanford, isn't mm. there? Isn't it? Yeah. Um, yes. And there's also Brassas is in there, the yes. French songwriter. Well, he because because Basque is such a small language in terms of numbers of speakers yeah. and an amount of literature, and because. I don't know because he, I mean, he, you know, he's Basque is sort of there. There's France there and there's Spain there, so it's surrounded by these vast languages mm. with a huge cultural legacy. And so he's always very keen. In Obabakoa, you know, most of that happens, the stories are mostly based somewhere else, they're not in the Basque country at That's all. That's right, yeah. And it's because it's important to him that what he's writing is world literature, it's mm. not Basque literature. He mm. may be writing in Basque. Mm. But it's it's literature that you know embraces the mm. world, and mm. and he's immensely well read, and he loves you know reading in other languages mm. and other other literatures and translation, or whatever. So I think it's that inclusivity really, mm. rather than being very tight and you know primitive and purist and saying we can only have Basque writers here. Absolutely. You know, so it's much more open. In fact, there's a he, he quotes a a Basque. Um, Poet, I'm afraid I've forgotten his name at the moment. Um, but he, in in this poem, uh, this writer who quoted in Achaga's novel uh, talks about uh, the, the prisoner never never leaving the prison. The prisoner mm. is always in the prison, and this is yes. written in Basque. Yes. Uh, and I just thought that was an yeah. incredibly striking thing for him to put in his novel. Mm. And, uh, yeah. about a former Basque separatist yeah. terrorist and yet at the same time the novel is trying in all kinds mm. of ways to uh, to open up prison prisons. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Um, well as I've just recently translated a talk he gave about the Basque language, Basque literature mm. and uh, he mentions <coughs> a, um, a poet, a very early poet Echibare, I think his name is Echibare um, and he writes this wonderful poem which is inviting Basque to join the dance Mm-hmm. You know, don't stay indoors. You know, don't stay behind your walls. You know, come and join the dance. Mm. And that's very much what he wants. I think. Mm. Mm. The uh, the lone woman of the novel is is uh, travelling on a bus home, and uh, she gets uh, put upon by uh, various symbolic figures. There's a, mm. there's a nun, and mm. there's also there are two nuns, and there are two policemen, mm. um, and as well as just ordinary members of the public, as it were, sitting on this bus. And when she gets off the bus. Um, 
she leaves both the police behind her and these extremely well-meaning nuns who are running an AIDS clinic. Mm. Um, and she thinks she might, I think the, the lone woman thinks she might get another cause in this way. Yes. Um, uh, but in fact, what? because she's a nurse. Um, but in fact, what happens is that she, you know, there's a, a wonderful passage of the novel where she, you know, she introduces herself, mm. reintroduces herself into the present moment. Yes. Uh, yeah. A rather democratic yeah. present moment, potentially belonging mm. to everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's very universal, I assume you mean. Yes, I think so, yeah. I think, well, all great writers are. Mm. You know, the. <laughs> you know, a, a poor writer is. I know. Sort of, how am I going to say this? Uh, popular literature does get very widely translated, mm. but it doesn't seem to me that's not what I mean by universal. Mm. Mm. You know, I mean Stieg Larsson, which I haven't, who I haven't read, I admit. But you know, he's tra mm. or, or Harry Potter, you know, mm. translated all over the world mm. instantly. Mm. But that isn't what I mean by universality. It's mm. more. I mean, it's why we read Tolstoy. You know, we read mm. Chekhov. Because they speak to us all mm. over the over the years, you know. So mm. Mm. I don't think we'll be reading Stieg Larsson in 100, mm. 200 years time. Mm. I mean, there, there's a sense in which the the, the, the writers we've talked about so far. I mean, there's a, there's a rather difficult, upsetting word to some of us. You know, apply mm. to novelists and writers. Mm. I know it's a bit difficult. Oh, I know. Uh, and these <laughs> these two are, are a bit difficult, actually, aren't they? Well, I, I, don't, well, I think it's a good thing, I have to say. But, yes. but I just wanted to... Well, I don't know what people mean yeah. by difficult. They mean yeah. it's not a straightforward plot? Yes, exactly. That's yes, well, what they mean, and it's... Uh, I just don't... It's, well, complicated I mean, language, I think, long sentences. Yeah, yeah, but that's why I read them. Yeah, yeah. And so, difficult... I mean, when people say it's difficult, it just means they don't like it. It was too much yeah. of an effort, yeah. you know. Whereas to me, if you don't have to put effort in, what's the point of reading it, mm. really? Mm. But it's not. I mean, that's, that makes it sound like. I mean, uh, Henry James, I would suppose, would be considered difficult. But yeah. for me, reading Henry James is an utter pleasure mm. because he writes so well. He's very funny, mm. very insightful, wonderful plot. Mm. But it's like with Saramago and Javier Marías, you know. There is a plot there, mm. but that's not the main thing. Mm. The main thing are the thoughts and the ideas and the imaginings that come out of that mm. or surround the plot. Mm. Mm. How was your own reading? You mentioned Henry James. I was just uh, wondering how your own reading had uh, helped you uh, uh, develop your own voice as a translator, or the voices, depending on the, on the writers you're working with. Well, I've always read a lot, mm. and I think it's... For me, that's the crucial thing. When I, if I ever give talks or workshops with students, that's what I tell them. Mm -hmm. You should be reading as widely as possible in your own language, mm -hmm. and you have to read in your other languages too. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. if you don't read in, in my case, in English, mm -hmm. that's what builds your vocabulary. It's what builds your sense of mm -hmm. what a sentence is, how you know rhythm and cadence, mm -hmm. all that comes mm -hmm. from reading. Mm -hmm. And you should really start when you're five. <laughs> <laughs> Henry James at five, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's wise <laughs> advice. Um, also, you get the sense of, of variety that way, don't you, by yes. reading in your own language. Yes. Uh, and I still, I tend not to read much contemporary English mm. fiction because I'm reading and rereading, like Joseph Conrad I've reread recently. Mm. He's a magnificent writer, mm. just wonderful stylist, and 
use of language, or I've just um, been rereading Henry James again. Um, <coughs> all that feeds into your own mm -hmm. write, my own writing about as a translator, you know, so mm -hmm. it's essential. Because uh, if you don't have a really wide vocabulary as a translator, that you can't do it, mm -hmm. I don't think. Yeah. This gets us back to something we were saying towards the beginning, which is that in your own voice, the translator's own voice, mm -hmm. is, is, is very powerful in a translation, isn't it? So, I mean, I think there's still a tendency to be a little bit apologetic about that, and I just wanted to, well, I know. <laughs> to, I think to not do that. <laughs> well, it's very, it's awkward, because if you, if you start talking about the translator's voice, I mean, most people think translators are hacks anyway, you know, you just look the words up in the dictionary. Um... And, so, and we are secondary. We're always secondary. They're quite rightly so. But in a sense, it is a duet. You know, I mean, I'm... It's my voice as well as Saramago's voice or Achaga's voice or Pessoa's voice. And they can't be separated. That's the strange thing about it. And I think if, you, if you're reading a translation and the voice doesn't convince you, doesn't compel you, I think that really is... If it's a good book, I mean, mm -hmm. in the original, that really is the translator's fault, mm -hmm. because you have, you have to become that text, mm -hmm. you know, and you have to really inhabit that text. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you just—it's not you're not doing what a translator should do. I think your analogy before of acting or or, or performing yes. music—I mean, sort of um, different different performers of Beethoven are, mm. are enormously different. Aren't oh, they? Yes. they bring completely different colours and yes. characters and emotions. Yes, to, or, to or that music. as I was saying, you know, different. <laughs> Actors, you know, doing Shakespeare, mm. they're so different. There's so many different interpretations, and and the actor is still the actor. Mm. That's the and the musician is still the musician. They're still themselves, but they're being. I suppose it's a form of channeling, really, mm. <laughs> mm. at its best. Mm. Um, that's what it should be. Tell me a little bit about Pessoa. Um, Obviously, a, a, a very keen and fascinating Portu Portuguese writer mm. uh, of, of yeah. before the Second World War, essentially, isn't it? Yes. And um, uh, quite well known now, but still not terribly well known in the English-speaking world, perhaps. But but you've done mm. your translation of it as the Book of Disquiet mm. uh, has done a tremendous amount to to bring well, into awareness. Well, I have to say that it keeps being reissued. Your translation. It does, it? Yeah. but there are about five other translations. Yes, <laughs> uh, one by Richard Zenith of yes. the Penguin. Yeah. Yes, I mean, yeah. and Richard Zenith is the he is an expert on Pessoa, mm. yeah. and and he's translated other other prose mm. works and his poetry actually. Mm. Um, and it's a it's a very odd book because it there mm. isn't a book of disquiet. Quite yes. <laughs> so so that's one. Of there the are so many different fragments, and it was never yes. completed, and famously well, yes. found in a trunk and, yes, and all that. The famous trunk, yeah. um, all in bits and pieces, and some yeah. people think it didn't. Some of those bits don't belong in the book of disquiet. Quite. So I was following a, and it was actually I think it was Antonio Tabuki's uh, edition, really? his, his choice, or his wife's choice, and then he. The novelist. The novelist, yeah. yes, because he's mm. a Portuguese specialist. I, I knew that, but I didn't yes. know that he was uh, particularly working on oh, Pessoa's trunk. Pessoa. <laughs> well, I don't think it was in his trunk. Right. I don't know who went in that trunk. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it's a very odd book. Mm -hmm. So that book of Disquiet is in a completely different order and has a different selection of texts from Richard Zenith. Yes. I think Richard Zenith has done the complete one now. Has he? Okay. As complete yeah. as one yeah. can get. Yeah. And the, but then there's in Portuguese itself there are different books of disquiet you know yes. so there's a recent one came out which also claiming to be complete 
<laughs> I'm sure Pessoa would have been vastly amused. Uh, very. Um, <laughs> have you ever thought yourself of, because I, I noticed that you, your version is, is, is reissued all the time, but I mm. wonder if you ever thought yourself of adding new bits precisely because it's always a selection well, yes, in any I have, case. I have thought of that, and I've talked to a publisher about that, but it feels a bit like treading on Richard Zenas's toes, because mm. mm. he knows more than me about Pessoa. <laughs> but um, I just meant uh, one yes, can't have too many translations of no, Pessoa, no, possibly. and it would be in a different order anyway. We, yeah. No, I have thought about yeah. it. And I am tempted by the idea because um, when I, trans I translated that, it translated that a long time ago. But it was one of the most wonderful experiences of mm. as a translator because it was so difficult, mm. and yet it was, and it. And it's a book of disquiet, so it's full of disquieting thoughts in mm. a way, but at the same time it's an immensely consoling book, mm. you know, to anyone who's ever felt lonely or fed off or depressed or whatever. You know, so somehow listening to this solitary gentleman talking about how miserable things are, but then having this amazing description of Lisbon, yes. or going on the train, you know, from yeah. Lisbon to Cascais or something, yes. or looking over the rooftops of Lisbon, there's such pleasure in life as well, you yeah. know, so... It's the rain on, on the streets, yes. or correspondingly the sun going up on the win against yes, the windows, yes. you know. There's and a lot yeah. of yeah. Um, pleasure in the physical world. Yeah. yeah. He's making... He, he is... It, it is quite... It is disquieting. Uh, it is mm. It is a, a sense of... A sense of futility and pointlessness and yes. all that. But, um, but when you've read it, did you come out of it thinking, oh, I think I'll go and... <laughs> top myself. No, I, d I didn't. I think you're right. Uh, yeah. the, the, the somehow, again, it, in, in the mode of it being, I suppose, again, I'm, to use a difficult word, a difficult book. I mean, it, you have to make a bit of a translation, in fact, from, from the yes. depression to yeah. to the life enhancing, isn't it? Because it's as though he's yeah. saying, I know it's depressing, but 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 uh, you know, we're, we're condemned to think these types of thought, mm. and and we might be able to share them. Yes. Um, Yes, I mean, it's the sharing of them. Mm. And the same with his poetry. You know, there's... Well, he has so many different different um, heteronyms. But they, and they all vary, obviously. I mean, and this is not yes. actually Fernando Pessoa. It's supposed to be Bernardo Suarez. Yes, he has... Sounding he has, suspiciously like Pessoa. Yes, <laughs> as you say, so-called heteronyms, which, yes. is a, which is pseudonym in the plural. <laughs> yes. And in the immensely plural. I'm, yes. I'm told there's something like 70 heteronyms that he's used yes. at one point. But yeah. then they get focused on just about four, don't yes. they? Four or five, yes. uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and and Bernardo Soares is the supposed yeah. author of this one. But then, he, yeah. but then that also evolves into mm. doesn't aren't, have I heard that he also abandons that, or there's thoughts that he's abandoned it as he writes the book of Disquiet? Yeah, someone else. Yeah, there's some. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's him, and sometimes there's even another heteronym who's also writing the book of Disquiet. Oh, okay, all oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very yeah. complicated, but. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. I'm always really pleased when yeah. people like it. Because he's mm. he talks a lot about trying to be somebody else, uh, at all, yes. uh, which which morphs into oh well, can we ever understand anybody else? Uh, that those sorts of issues. Yes, and, and it's I, also I'm, you know who is who it what it is to be I. Yes, you know that's the thing. And when you see photographs of Pessoa, he's the most anonymous looking person yes. you can imagine. And and you see photographs of him walking down the street, mm. and he looks just like anyone, like no one, you know. And he is; he's no one. But then he's all these other people as well. Mm. Again, I thought, you know, it's it's just uh, it's it's just a, 
wonderful that he exists so powerfully in translation mm. because these issues are ones of translation, yes. aren't they? Oh, yeah. How one point of view is ever mm. communicated to another. Mm. Um, there's a one point, and he says that um, I've got this right. Um, um, what, what I would have to say about myself is, is either you. Wholly unique, in which case uncommunicable, mm. or wholly general, in yeah. which case terribly tedious. <laughs> <laughs> and this kind of something translating those two poles, yeah. isn't it? That yeah. is writing into each other. That is yeah. uh, writing consists of, to an extent. Yeah. <clears throat> he's a very perplexing person because I mean, he was quietly drinking himself to death. Yes. And died very young, really. Um, and yet, you know, he was very involved with um, creating literary magazines mm. in Lisbon and had friends. And But then there's that intense solitude mm. which he communicates, I think. But it, it's just... Um, it's very prescient as well, isn't it? Those, those yes. formal, uh, self-reflexive games that he plays, you know, that are, much, that, that are, that are so common in postmodern writing, mm. but they're much more than games with him, aren't they? They're, they're actually, they're sort of... Mm almost ethical issues that oh, he's yes, trying to sort yes. out between these various people and making yes. various people in order to address mm. questions of relation and, and understanding and communication. Yes, because, I mean, his poetic heteronyms are very different. I mean, there's Fernando Pessoa himself, mm. and then there's um, Alberto Caeiro. Um, I've forgotten the other ones. Uh, Alvaro Campos. I was going to say, yeah. He's very, very... He was very modern, modernist. Yeah. And... But they, but they are all Pessoa, and I think I'm, I'm reading Proust at the moment, and mm. and he talks in that of how we have many moi, you yes. know, there's lots of moi, <laughs> and I think it's what we forget. We're always trying to be so mm. kind of unimodular somehow, mm. and yet we don't explore all those other. That's what novelists do. Novelists explore mm. all those other people they could be or might be, mm. and that's why we read them probably yeah. to. That's right. Expand ourselves. We should, anyway. Now, are you reading Proust in French or in translation at the in moment? In French, uh -huh. with uh, with the Scott Moncrief as my crib. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But I mean, another long sentence man. Yes. <laughs> the long sentence man, I think actually. Yeah. yeah. Do you think he works well in English, as well as the audio? It's a difficult question. I know. I'm difficult. just bringing it on you for fun. <laughs> It's completely different. It's a completely different experience reading mm. it in French and then looking at what the English has done. Mm. I usually just look if I don't know a word or I can't mm. understand, untangle a sentence. Mm. But it's a completely different experience, mm. and I'm, and I think that's a good thing. Mm. It's inevitable. I think mm. if you're reading Pessoa mm. in Portuguese, I don't think I don't know that my English. I don't know if you'd think my English was that, but it should mm. be, it should be an equivalent. You know, equivalently good. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that's what I, I know. What want. you mean? Yes. yes. So, yeah. so there should be as much pleasure in reading my translation as you would have in reading the the original. That's mm. that's my aim. Mm. So, I mean, how Scott Moncrief did it, I don't know. <laughs> Just extraordinary. It was revisited by with Kim Martin as well. Well, I'm reading the yeah. the twice revised. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I would love. You know, no one would ever let me translate Proust, but I would love to do it. Because <laughs> yes. I think yes. it was a shame with the new Penguin edition that they had different translators for each mm. volume. Mm. That seems to me a mistake. I know they did it because of time. No one's got time to wait 20 years for someone mm. to translate the whole thing. Mm. But I, I felt that was a shame, in a way. 
I don't know. What did you think? I, uh, I, I, uh, I was in two minds about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, th- I, th- I did think it was quite interesting to have different voices mm. in there. Yeah. Um, it was almost as though you were having, you know, several translations of the whole novel mm. um, at, at once, not, yeah. not just of individual volumes yeah. of it. Um, so I, I, I did think that was was interesting. Um, at the same time, I'd, I'd it was almost instinctively and against myself in, mm. a, in a way felt. Uh, mm. That I did miss uh, the, the, the uniformity of a translator's yes. voice and a translator's dialogue mm. with, with Proust. Yeah. Um, and you know, that uh, was even undermined within each volume, I thought, and uh, because of mm. because of the whole yes. range of them. Yeah. And uh, so I, I ended up being, being rather confused by it in the end. Mm. Um, I mean, it was quite interesting. I did read some of the the first volume. Oh, I've forgotten her name now. The she's a very good translator but her translation was very different hmm. much plainer than Scott Moncrief I mean that's what people accuse Scott Moncrief of yeah. doing I think that he was somehow imposing that idiom yeah. you know that sort of turn of the century hmm. idiom on Proust but I feel it sits rather well yes. Proust is difficult oh, he is a difficult writer <laughs> I think you know it's it it's, it's gets back to the thing of, of retranslating how important it is, mm. re-performing, re yes. you know, re-performing great works, yes. as going back to the musical analogy, yeah. you know, and uh, because he is yeah. difficult and he is highfalutin in, in that in that mm. rather formal way, but he's also extremely informal and extremely mm. intimate. Oh yes, uh, and uh, I mean not not just sexually, although he is, but yeah. but, but extremely intimate and private yes. and. Uh, Finding the right, the right yeah. tonality for that yes. is extremely good. Well. Yeah, something very poetic. Yeah. But also, you know, when Francoise is speaking, you know, he gets her the way she speaks, you know, perfectly. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I was thinking about retranslating, because mm. um, I've retranslated a lot of Esther de Queiroge. Yes. And, and I sort of. Because there is a question, you know, why should you do that? Mm. But. Well, I wanted to, <laughs> and I found a publisher who would let me. I said, okay, else we should say, is a, a, a Portuguese writer of, of the late 19th, 19th century. 19th century, yes. Yes, I mean, he's the equivalent of Dickens. Well, he's later than Dickens, obviously. But, yeah. um, I mean, people always compare him to Flaubert, yeah. but yeah. he's much funnier than Flaubert. Yes, it, yes. Uh, more like Maupassant than Flaubert, I think. Yes. Although people, many people in Sometimes, sometimes compare Flaubert to Maupassant. I think they, yeah. they are rather different, and I think yes. Esther de Queiroz is more like Maupassant. Yeah. Yes, although I think he's more humane. Yes, Maupassant is quite harsh. On yes, people, and he? I think he is. Yes, yes. Uh, yes, and and I think because Esther is very much a satirist, you mm. know, he's sending up his own society. Yes, yeah. and it is very witty. I think, oh yes, you know, extremely. It's very very funny um, and farcical. Um, yeah, there's recently a, a, a volume of stories you've translated, yes. haven't you? Um, yes. I've forgotten the title of it, I'm afraid. Alves and Company. Yeah, that's yes, right. and, yes. Uh, yes, and then... Extremely yes. witty. Yes. Um, and very insightful. Yeah. You know, because he can be very funny, but also very insightful yeah. into um, people's real feelings. Like, the, you know, in Alves and Company, it's a... <coughs> um, his, um, Alvish comes along and discovers his wife has been yes, having an affair with the, the, his colleague. The, the eponymous story, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, but, but his, uh, Essa's description of that man's agony of finding this, his, yeah. all these things, he wants to murder him, he wants to have a duel, yeah. you know, and in the end they become friends again. Yeah. And, and everything's exactly back yes. to normal. He's reconciled yes. with his wife yes. and their friends and their mm. business partners yes. as before. Yes. 
which um, is very um, it's the completely opposite of romanticism you know yeah. where they'd have been dead who knows yeah. <laughs> both of them probably <laughs> so I just lo- I love that and, but I mean I was started off talking about why retranslate well that piece, that, that, that does strike <clears throat> me as a very contemporary idiom that, that, that mm. you created there even though you're getting yeah. a sense of, a, of, of literature from another yes. period because I feel he's, he's Portuguese is so fresh yeah you know yeah. he has very long sentences again but there's something very fresh and and kind of unpedantic and unpretentious. Yeah. And I think some of the translations before had been fine, yeah. but I felt they weren't always consistently fine. Mm. And so I wanted to create something that was, you know, that was as perfect as I could get it, really, because he's my favourite writer, and, <laughs> and and I felt he deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's written uh, quite a, many novels, isn't it? Five yes. or six novels. Yes, like yes. Yeah. And, yeah. I've, and I've done most of them now. Yeah. So I've been very, again, luck, you know. Yeah. I hope this doesn't sound like an odd question, but you're extraordinarily, extraordinarily prolific as a translator, aren't you? And uh, and I know from the tiny bits and pieces that I've mm. done what a time-consuming, at least this is mm. for me, time-consuming process it is. But uh, I don't have you, another job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's I did, when I first started, I couldn't, yeah. you can't earn a living initially. Yeah. Um, so I did lexicography and... Um, yeah copy editing, both of which are very useful skills. Yes. And it's only in the last maybe ten years that I've only yeah. I've just translated. Yeah. I think Anthea Bell is more prolific than me actually. Yeah. <laughs> but do you find you get into a rhythm as well with with each with each mm. with each you know work yes, which I book you're so. working with yes. and, that, and that carries you forward? I think so, yes. If there's a book I try to book, do books I like. Yeah. Uh, and then it's just a real pleasure being immersed in a really good book, you know, yeah. with a really good writer. And if they're contemporary writers, I'm usually in touch with the author. Um, so that's a very nice relationship yeah. to have, you know. Um, with Essa, unfortunately, I was not in touch. Well, <laughs> not beyond the grave. No. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it, people always talk about translation being very solitary, you know. And... I think it's very companionable, actually. Yeah. yeah. No, it's much more solitary being a writer. Writing your own stuff is very solitary. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I can think of more solitary activities. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 And is it, is it helpful to talk to writers if they're living, obviously, if they're living, doing writers? It's I mean, because they obviously they don't necessarily understand English. No, no, no. Yeah. But if there are things I need mm. to, I can't understand. Often very sort of physical details, mm-hmm. you know, like what. I've just I'm just translating a Brazilian novella and um, there's a description of a of the boy's room when he's a child and there are things in it which I I, I couldn't be sure what he meant you know mm-hmm. so I had to just to be able to ask him mm. and then he sends he googles it and sends me a picture of <laughs> what the thing he means right, so yeah. that's very useful and excellent and yeah. I think just and if they do speak English well yeah. enough. Um, I do send them my whole translation, and they look through it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so important that the translate that the author tr- trusts you as a translator. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, because then they feel safe. Mm. You know, but that's very important. You know, yeah. because it, well, so much rests on what the translation is like. Mm. You know, so it's you have a great responsibility, I think. I've only I've translated only a couple of uh, things, and involving living writers, mm. and on, on each occasion, I think I've got the impression that they, 
it's the trust that's more important than the mm. actual product. If they, if, mm. if if they trust you, then then, yeah. then uh, they have the feeling that well, the, the, you know, their work will exist in some sort of trustworthy manner. Yes. Rather than whether it's exactly the same or not, they yes. feel less concerned with that. Yes, I think I think so because they are authors and so they mm. know what yeah. what, the, <laughs> or what what good writing is, yeah. and they know. I think if you're asking the same, the right kind of questions and. Yeah. Yes, it's very, it is important. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you very much. I just wondered if there was anything you would like to say to um, uh, people who are thinking about translation, to, you know, embarking on a, some sort of career as a translator. If there's anything you'd like to say to young translators? Read. <laughs> it's all, it's all read and write. Yeah. I mean, do your own writing too, but I mean, yeah. you need to read voluminously, yeah. really. Yeah. as much as possible. And, I mean, you have to read in the languages you're translating from, but I think it's the reading in your own language, mm -hmm. which is really key. Mm -hmm. And so. lots of different things, I imagine. Anything at all, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, good ones, good yeah. books, I would say. Yeah. Snobbishly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been a fantastic oh, conversation. Pleasure. Thanks pleasure. so much. Thank you. <laughs>